Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and special guest host, Allison Krejci Giddens with you here today on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Allison, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited about today. We are excited today. We've already laughed a good bit on the pre-show. I think we have a lively, passionate, and highly professional guest here today and leader that's going to be sharing some of her insights. Uh, A leader on the move, I'll say, uh, within the global supply chain community. So we're all geeked up, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm pumped. Oh, wonderful. And a quick aside, we're going to have to have Donna Krejci join us and, and share some of her travel adventures as she went to Europe I here recently, know, right? right? Seriously. I mean, everybody has fun. I'm, I'm back here working and, you know. <laughs> we got to get the slideshow. Could... We got to get the slideshow from oh, Donna. That'd be good. That'd be good with commentary. <laughs> That's right. One of our favorite people. Okay. Uh, well, let's dive right into today's show and also one of our newest favorite people. I want to welcome in Leanne Richards, Supply Chain Integration with a major consumer packaged goods company. Leanne, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. It is so great to have you. You know, we've been exchanging emails for quite some time as we've been prepping for today. And it's really neat to finally meet you in person, enjoy the pre-show conversation. And now, Allison, we get to uh, spotlight her journey with all of our, our global listeners. So it's going to be fun, right? Absolutely. It's good timing for this because uh, she's got some experience. Yes. <laughs> and she also let us little, let out a little secret pre-show. I'm not sure if I want to share, you know, because Alice and I are both big fans of the 2021 World Series champs, Atlanta Braves. And we found out perhaps that Leanne grew up as a New York Mets fan. But we'll... we'll uh. we, we, <laughs> See, now we can't, but we can't start, man. I mean, that, that really just the poor listeners now have this, these X, this expectation set, or I I hope they haven't shut off the podcast. I hope not either, Leanne, but Hey, you know what? We have plenty of friends that are Mets fans and fellow supply chain geeks that are Mets fans. So you're, you're in good company. It's all okay. Life's too short to throw elbows too often at your sports rivals, but Hey, great to have you here regardless. So speaking of Leanne, you know, where you grew up and how you grew up and what that was like. Where did you grow up? Tell us about that. So I grew up in New York. I actually grew up in the, in the Bronx, New York. Um, I'm the youngest of four daughters. Okay. Um, you know, grew up a very meager lifestyle. My mom was a single mom. Pretty much our family mantra was God first, family second, education next. Mm. And that's how we grew up and that's how we moved forward. And you know, that's how we, we lived our life pretty much. Mm. So I love that, by the way, it, values come to mind, discipline, habits, uh, priorities, all of that. Uh, so when you think of that and you think of your weekly activities, uh, what are some things that, that come to mind of a week in the life of, of Leanne Richards as a child? Yeah. You know, what's funny. Um, so, you know, we had cousins all around and everything and, my cousins would always say, we're always at the park and y'all are always at the library, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, my mother was serious about the education thing. You know, it kept us occupied. Uh, 
my two older sisters, they're um, 18 months apart. And they both went to, you know, great schools in upstate New York. One of them went to Syracuse. One of them went to Cornell. Um, Then there's a seven-year gap. And my sister that's 15 months older than me, we went to school in in Florida. We both went to Florida A&M. So that's how we became Southern girls. And what's funny is now we all live in Georgia. We all live in Cobb County. We all live in the same general area. And it's like... One of us came and then we followed the other. And my last sister was like, why am I still in New York? I could be, I could be living, you know, down here with a totally different lifestyle. So, you know, I I feel like we really, what was ingrained in us as young people, God first, family second, education, you know, next, like we've really like taken that to heart and that's, you know, that's our life. I love it. And and I bet y'all get together all the time here since you're all (laughs) in in the same County in Georgia. Uh, now yep. tell us, you're talking about all the, those gaggle of cousins you grew up with, and I can relate. I've got a great, <laughs> and I love my gaggle of cousins on both sides of the family. That was a blessing for me growing up and still today. Mm-hmm. Do you see your all of your kids play and have those relationships too? So my sister and, you know, their kids, like my, my daughter's cousins, yes, they're like brothers and sisters. Um, my daughter's the only child. One of my sisters has one daughter and they're like sisters. Like you can't tell them that, you know, they're not. Um, what, what I have found though, that's kind of unfortunate. I think it's just how life is and how life evolves is my cousins like that I grew up with. Our kids are not close, you know, because of distance, because of, you know, um, a lot of them are still in New York or have moved to other areas and we're down here. We try to get together, but it's just not the same, you know, One thing I noticed, and a lot of people notice this in their families, um, probably, I think it was like, so it was like 2000, my grandmother died. Mm. And that's kind of when you see, you know, the matriarch and then, you know, the cousins kind of split off a little bit. We don't get together as much. So, you know, but, but I do appreciate the fact that my daughter can grow up with her cousins and, you know, they'll have, I think they'll have that relationship like forever. You know, I don't see them growing apart, especially because life is different now with technology, right. and, you know, so much. So, and that's so cool. That's so cool that you get to be right around the corner, basically from your sisters too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I've got a sister and she's local and I can't imagine her not being local. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's, that's very cool. I moved really away cool. from Georgia for five years and I didn't realize that like the little things were like, like Easter, like you don't think like, oh, we're going to get together Easter. But I was like, what are we going to do? We're all alone. <laughs> or like birthday parties. You know, you used to have the whole family over for a birthday party. And it's like, you know, it wasn't the same. So right. um, I've been is... back for a while and I'm happy to be back. And, you know. Good. Well, we're, we're lucky to have you back. <laughs> that's for sure. So I know you went to Florida mm-hmm. for a few years and then you came back to Georgia. Talk us through some of your professional history and that journey coming back. We're coming to Georgia in the first place. And then a little bit about prior to your current role and things that shaped you. So um, what I would say, Shane, I had an unconventional first job right out of college. Um, I worked for Amoco Oil Company and I worked in operations. So operations meant that I was running their C-stores, their convenience stores. Hmm. I was opening stores, um, you know, managing them, doing the whole gamut. So I remember one time my mother said, you went to college for all these years to work at a gas station? 
but it was probably the best experience I could have had because it was almost like owning my own business on somebody else's dime. So I was responsible for the PL. I was responsible for marketing. I was responsible for hiring, firing, you know, so I got to experience so much and also enhanced my customer service skills. And I don't care what role you're in, what job you're in, what function you do, you have to have customer service skills. Like you always have a customer. It may be an external customer, it may be an internal customer, but you have to know how to take care of your customer. So um, I actually moved from Florida to Georgia with Amico. They transferred me here. Um, and then that's how I um, ended up in Georgia. Hey, what, and, uh, Leanne, what part of Florida? Where you in? Uh, I was in Tallahassee. Oh, Tallahassee. Yep, yep. FAMU, home, Tallahassee. So home um, of Florida State uh, University, right? Yep, Florida State and Florida A and M is right across the railroad tracks from from Florida State. Really? Yep. Okay. And the A and M, the Rattlers. Is that right? The Rattlers. You got okay. it. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So you moved up, and and Alice, you know. We're going to talk sports throughout. It's just kind of what we do, Uh-oh. right? Sorry, um, Leanne. I should have warned you. And we haven't talked food yet. And, 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 uh, oh, we can talk food. Let's we'll, talk we'll food. Talk food. Let's we'll talk food in a little bit. <laughs> I want to hear about something, uh, a dish from the Bronx. But hey, we're, so you moved to Georgia and mm-hmm. to where you are now in Cobb County? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, okay. Well, I've lived different parts of Cobb County, but um, I lived uh, more in the South Cobb area when I first came here. Okay. So tell us about what brought you here and, and we'll continue that professional journey. Okay. So um, came here, transferred with Amico, came here, worked for them for probably two more years or so. Um, and then I left there, went to Georgia State, got my master's at Georgia State in management with a concentration in organizational development. Okay. So I thought that I was going to go into the HR world and, you know, make people feel good. Um, while I was, uh, hang on a sec, hang on a sec, <laughs> <laughs> the HR world to make people feel good. Are you talking, are you referring to kind of the, the psych, the, the, the psychology aspect of, of those roles? Yeah. You know, you're the feel good person, you know, <laughs> you, you, you make people feel, you know, comfortable. <laughs> well, you're, and yes. And you kind of, you kind of have to be the adult in the room. Uh, oftentimes, exactly. I, I would assume, right. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> so you, ch- <laughs> you chose not to do that. So what did you choose to do? You know, I ended up staying there. I, I stayed there for about three years. And that's when I got into supply chain. You know, they even asked me, don't you want to go into sales? Don't you want to go into HR? And it, the way they had their, their business structured, um, supply chain was the best place to learn about the business. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to like really understand kind of how things work and how things connected. And I got into supply chain. They had a, it was called like an account management type of position and moved into some demand planning roles. And I I really, I think grew in the demand planning arena. So um, stayed there for a few years. And then I went over to my current company where I have been for, this will be 17 years. Wow. So, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. A, so when, when you started at your current company, did are you doing what you're doing now or how, how did that kind of evolution look like and where'd you spend your time? Oh, man. I've had so many experiences that have, you know, really shaped me to end up where I am now. 
Um, I started here in our Atlanta office working more um, as an account rep. So doing a little, a lot of like order fulfillment, customer type relations with some of our drug customers. I did that for about probably two years. Then I moved to Bentonville, Arkansas. I was there for three years and um, got back into demand planning. Then I moved to Schaumburg, Illinois for about two years, got deeper into demand planning. I, I think some of my first roles, it was more, it was more just kind of putting numbers in the system, so to speak. And then when I got into some of those later roles, I had the opportunity to be more strategic, work closer with our customer development team, understand the ebbs and flows more of the business, what was expected from their customers in terms of like promotions or, um, you know, the time of the year when we would see a spike in the business, um, things like that, and really got more connected with the system. Right. Um, So... So if I could interject for our listeners, a little bit of context, and Alice is going to ask you about what you're up to now, but listeners, we, you know, sometimes we got to be careful, especially with really big companies. Leanne is not a spokesperson for her company, but for context, and I, and I can't wait to hear about what she's up to now. She is with a global brand that um, 999 people out of a thousand would recognize and probably the same have used a product today from this company. So I think that's helpful context as uh, Leanne kind of walks us through uh, her 17 years with this company and what she's doing now. So you're going to say something else, uh, Leanne or Alice, maybe we ask about uh, what she's up to today. Yeah, well, I'm kind of, I'm curious. I'm in my head, I'm looking at a map and I'm like, okay, Bentonville and then Schumburg and then during, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting like, your sisters are waiting. You're they're back in Georgia. What are you doing? Um, so after, after Illinois, where, where'd you head? Did you come back here? And I'm, I'm excited to hear too about what you're doing now and kind of how the pandemic has really enhanced what you're doing. I came back here after Illinois, and I will say that was probably, being in um, Illinois is probably one of the best experiences for me. I didn't think I could take the cold again because I had been away from the cold for so long. I was like, I can't do that. But, you know, I got a big coat and it worked out good. And you want to talk about food, like Chicago is a food city. Oh, yeah, good call. I could have ate there for like probably two more years and not repeated anything that I ate. Greg White Um, says Chicago is the culinary capital of the states. I dispute that a bit. I think think of New Orleans. Um, I think of how eclectic, frankly, how eclectic Atlanta is, especially Buford Highway, one of our favorite places. Uh, That's where we lived for six years, right around the corner from Buford Highway. Uh, I think of Charleston. I think of all the places in Florida, San Francisco. See, I go down this, <laughs> we mentioned food. We go down this yeah. whole interstate of, uh, but anyway, we'll keep driving. Yeah. So Chicago. I, I'd agree with you on all of those too. I just haven't spent time in San Francisco, but all of those East Coast, South, yeah, I'd have to agree with you on all of oh, those. Oh man, Let, let's, let's take a trip. Let's, let's just hit okay. them all. Right, right. Hey. <laughs> all right. So what, when did you get to here in the Atlanta area with your current company? So I came back here in 2014 and the role that I came back into, it's almost one of those things that I didn't even realize everything else I had done was preparing me for this role. I was, I would say a little apprehensive when I was asked to come back here to do this role. I almost felt, and just being transparent, vulnerable, I almost felt it was too big for me. Wow. I, you know, wasn't sure that I had the skill set to do it. 
But well, yeah, but we could go down that rabbit hole on imposter exactly. syndrome and especially women in industry like supply exactly. chain manufacturing is chances are you are totally qualified for it. But yep. because call you out, didn't Allison. feel like you hit every single check mark on that list, you felt you weren't good enough or weren't qualified. And that's a that's a tough one. It's real. It is. And it took me it took me um a lot of time to make the decision, which you know, usually I'm I'm ready to go because I like change. I like you know, doing different things. And I really had to like sit back. I, you know, talk to different people, you know, really figured it out. And it's probably, again, one of the best decisions I made, you know, in this role. And let me tell you what I do. Um, (laughs) So um, it's called supply chain integration. So I say that I'm like the liaison between the business and IT. And when I say the business, that's our whole demand side. So that's our demand planners, our um, order fulfillment team, our um, warehousing team, our transportation team, anything that they need from a systems process and then having the people to support those systems and processes is basically my job. Like I I do the project management for, for, for those activities. I do work on a couple of projects on our supply side. So then our supply side is like the plants, the manufacturers. I work on a few projects for them, but really my, I would say my area of expertise is our, you know, demand side. So I'm using the knowledge that I've had from being on that side of the business for so long and then bringing into it like my negotiation skills, my relationship building skills, my communication skills, and then being able to communicate with our IT department, which IT is a whole nother, they speak a different language. That's a different, and I don't mean a different language like, you know, English, Spanish. I mean a right. different language like. Like a smart language, like intelligence. It's like, yeah. and not taking, and, and I say that not taking anything away from our supply chain community, but which is is brilliant as well. But gosh, mm-hmm. you're kind of like the bridge uh, between, if I had to generalize, kind of the operational language with the technology and the IT mm-hmm. language. And that, that gets lost in translation exactly. on an hourly basis. So to have bridge builders like yourself that also have been there and done it, given your, um, you know, your journey. That's incredibly invaluable. Yeah. And something you just said made me, made me think of something. It's, um, so our sales team, they always say, oh, supply chain, y'all are the brains behind everything. Y'all are the brains behind everything. We'll just, y'all make it happen. We'll, we'll just tell you what you want, what we want, and tell you what we need, and y'all make it happen. So, you know, I, I think it's good that um, other functions in the organization see the value in supply chain, especially when, of course, you you know, all companies are there for profit. So supply chain is not like making the money, but right. we are basically the ones that save the money. I, I agree with that. And I also kind of disagree with that, uh, especially as, as industry has evolved and how, how supply chains become that competitive advantage, because to your point, it makes it happen and it mm-hmm. enables, you know, returns to set it on your, on your porch, you know, reverse logistics, right? It, yep. That final mile, which has become incredibly more complex, I would yep. argue. While I agree with you, it saves the money. It also is making some money because it drives sales. Um, Definitely, you know what I mean. The the other Definitely. thing that you sh- you shared there, uh, and we're and we're gonna um, 
I want to get to kind of the cultural side of your mm-hmm. organization that that enables it to mm-hmm. perform at the incredible level it does, and the, and to put incredible people like yourself in big leadership roles. But supply chain does make it happen, you know. And I love what you said there. I've been that's been a mantra of mine for probably twenty years, uh, and you know, having spent some time in the military, I think one of the reasons why it supply chain manufacturing uh, in the end supply chain, because that that really encompasses everything Mm -hmm. is people that rally around a mission mission to make it happen. Right. It's not, they get it, they get it. And it's just, it's something inherent baked into global supply chain. And to your point, that's what it's like a magnet for me. I don't know about you, Allison, but it, it really, for a long time, it's been something that's just just grounded who I am and why this industry appeals to me so much. Yep. It's, it's as if the supply chain is the maestro of the symphony, so to speak. <laughs> and ultimately, if, if it's off, then everybody's off. So <laughs> They even yeah. have to bring the tuba sometimes, uh, Allison and Leanne. So. <laughs> you know, and you don't want me uh, playing an instrument or singing. So there's well, that. <laughs> so many, so, but, you know, so many, there's a sense of humility at times often in supply chain as well, where I agree with you, it's like, it's the maestro, but it's also someone that doesn't mind washing the dishes from time to time or bringing the tuba or taking the kids, or whatever it is, right? Whatever analogy you want to use. Uh, but anyway, Leanne, there's so much, I wish we had, I wish we had three more hours to dive into <laughs> your journey, especially on the demand planning side, which is such uh, an important element to always has been, but has gotten more important here in these uh-huh. recent years. But for the sake of moving us right along, I do want to talk about the culture at your organization. Is there anything else you want to share before I move to that question? No, let's move on. Let's talk culture. <laughs> okay. All right. So Gartner, which everybody and their brother and sister knows, ranked your organization <laughs> number two on its annual list of top 25 supply chain companies, right? And, and it's, they're regularly at the top. So when it comes to culture at your organization, right, a global CPG, what aspect or two do you believe helps to fuel supply chain performance in particular? I think the first thing is we look for agile solutions to um, our issues. You know, we try to stay current on what's happening out in the industry and when we can be a leader out there. Um, We've adapted a test and learn um, philosophy, progress over perfection. We move forward. Progress um, over perfection. I like that. Progress yeah. over perfection. I think we have our title, Allison. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> and then, you know, people are empowered to make decisions. We, uh, you know, we're a corporation. Of course, you do have to go through some red tape, but, you know, our people are empowered to make a decision and make decisions quickly and not be afraid to fail, which goes back to the progress over perfection. And that's encouraged and enhanced and embraced throughout the organization. And, you know, that's really what we have to live on to move forward. And like you said, to, to consistently be ranked, you know, where we are right. with, um, with, with Gartner and, you know, other um, organizations. So. Yes. Well, you know, Every once in a while, we'll talk culture with someone, and it is palpable as they describe it. And that's what I feel with you, Leanne, as you describe different elements of that culture, of that enabling culture that, that allows for world-class performance. And, you know, Allison, I'll get, I'll get your favorite part of what she described there. For me, 
it is empowering decision making. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I've worked in an organization one time in my journey that wanted to get seven signatures on a $25 spend. <laughs> and that is that stymies everything, everything. Mm -hmm. And it's not a it it's not fun to work in those types of, of environments yeah. and cultures. But Allison, what out of what how she described her organization and, and its culture, what do you what, what did you pick up on? I think that that progress over perfection for sure. I think what that speaks to is authenticity. Mm -hmm. So it allows the people's uh, meaning and and their own passions to kind of shine through. And ultimately, you know, your, your customers they're going to see right through things. Right. And if they can tell that the people that they're working with or the products that they're receiving, um, you know, if it comes from something real and something they can relate to, then all the better. Mm -hmm. Well said. Love that. Okay. So much more to talk, so much to talk about, Leanne, so little time. Let's talk about, so all three of us are, are consumers, probably more so than we were at this time last year, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so we're all customers of a wide variety of organizations and, and of course, a lot of retailers. Leanne, I'd, I'd love to get your take. What's one thing you've been tracking, especially when it comes to the retail experience or the, the consumer experience these days where it's like a, a business school study every hour of the day? So... It has to be e-commerce. E-commerce has made such a difference in our business and not only talking about like, you know, like the Amazons and the, the Chewy Foods, but talking about traditional brick and mortar right. retailers that now we have to put an e-commerce strategy against. So it, it's, it's intriguing to look at it from the customer, well, what we call the consumer's perspective. Right. And then in our, um, as a supplier, look at it from the customer's perspective and then make sure as a supplier, we are, you know, meeting the requirements of um, our customers because it's a whole different world. And when you talk about having to be agile, that final mile to the shelf, that final mile is really quick now. Um, you're right. You know, you, we have so to right. turn products so quickly. We have to make sure that, um, so on the system side, um, I deal a lot with uh, like making sure that the labeling is correct. The We have the information that the customer needs so they can um, have our product flow through with as little touching as possible. You know, um, you know, I don't know what people envision if they've never been in a warehouse. Or, you know, if they've never been in a plant, but you don't have a million people there doing things like, you know, the olden days. Everything's, right. you know, technology, machinery. We have to make sure that everything's encoded so that it comes from our system, flows through, scan into their system. So it's not 1982. I was just saying it's a lot more com complex than, you know. People may think if they've never kind of like been in that world, you just right. think, oh, I order something that ends up at my door. Amazon drops it at my door, you know, but it's a lot that goes, you know, in between there. Do you think that like being in your role and Scott, maybe this is a question for you too. Do you think knowing what you know about supply chain, are you, do you, are you aware of your hyper awareness as a consumer? So do you, like, I remember when Amazon first started the whole two day shipping thing. And I remember one day, 
like a day went by and I, I didn't get my item and I was irritated and I was like, oh, it hasn't been two days. And then I really started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, really? Come on. I mean, <laughs> even two days. So do you, do you start realizing that in the industries that we're all in? Do you I notice do. those things? I do. And, and sometimes I'm even amazed at what, you know, like an Amazon could do. Cause I'm like, wait, how could you possibly get me my package right. tomorrow? Because I know what it has to go through and I know where it's sitting. And, yes. you know, so, yes. I was, I was up really, really late and I was ordering something on Amazon last night and it was 1240 <laughs> and it, they were a pair of socks. It's a long story, but it was a pair of socks. And I, I put it in my cart and it said, same day delivery, get it by 3 a.m. I'm like, I don't need the socks wow. that bad. Please do not send someone out to my house with socks at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's unbelievable. And somebody has to pick that off the shelves and right. get 3 o'clock in the morning. Right, and right. It, yeah. it really is unbelievable. You know, to your question, Allison, for years, you know, stopping in a moment, whether I'm putting on deodorant or putting on socks and noticing the country of origin and, and mm-hmm. also catch myself regularly kind of thinking about the product design. Why is this extra plastic piece here or what, or packaging? Packaging is fascinating, you know, and we're dealing with so much of it because of e-commerce these days, a lot more than we ever did as kids growing up, right? So yes, uh, I would say, I think probably all three of us are very hyper aware. And the good news here is that consumers, even that aren't in supply chain or aren't manufacturing, aren't in any of these related industries, they're becoming more hyper aware and that's going to enable us to make progress over perfection on some of the challenges of our day. So uh, that, that's, that is really good news. I think for us, all of us. Okay. I had one more question and then Allison, I know we're going to, we're going to kind of shift gears here. One more question about planning. If, if, okay. if I may, Leanne, you know, 17 years, a lot of that journey with the current company was uh, you know, demand planning was, was, was uh, uh, a big part of what you did. Anything when it comes to the, all the different data that goes into demand planning, anything that might surprise folks that you, that you might can share without having to kill us later? I just think that um, something I can share is that um, it's an evolution. And mm. I've seen this evolve when you talk about data. At one time, we had a lot of data, probably too much right. to use it effectively. I'm, and over the past, I would say, two years or so, um, we've um, implemented new tools and also put like we we now have a whole data analytics team mm. that you know not only looks at the tools but they go out into the company and find people that love data and like that's not their job but they put them on almost like a like a SWAT team like a like a squat like a squad team like a catalyst team to um to come up with new New reports, new new um, ways to use the tool, train other people to use the tool. So we're learning how to use the data that's out there better love to it. our you know to our advantage. I love it. Uh, and one final comment there. I think we, we've talked about this before, Allison. And and if you and I haven't, I know I have with about a thousand other people. You know, we'll call it ten years ago, maybe when the term big data became a, a big thing. What Leanne described, every organization that invested in accumulating big data kind of reached a, a point, a fork in the road where, okay, great, we got all this data that we paid so much money to accumulate, but what do we do with it? You know, mm-hmm. that was such a a, um, uh, uh, a critical time for so many. And then as Leanne describes, eventually 
you know, companies figure out a very savvy way of, of really paring down what they really need, what are signals versus all the noise that they can make sound decisions on. So I appreciate you sharing that with us, Leanne. I, I find it fascinating. Okay. So Allison, where are we going next with the one and only Leanne Richards? Yes. So as you can probably imagine, she does a lot of other stuff other than supply chain. So Leanne, you know, you seem a lot very passionate, obviously, about things, including serving others and paying it forward. So can you tell us a little bit, why is this important to you? And um, I believe that there's a certain acronym, RAIN, that I would love to hear more about. Okay. So I told you about our mantra growing up. So now what I live by, like, in our house is to whom much is given, much is required. Mm. I worked hard. I have a you know good career. We're, we're very comfortable, but I have experienced times in life when it was not like that for me. So, you know, I know the needs of people that need. And one thing that's important to me in raising my child is that she understands the needs of others. You know, she's grown up with a certain amount of privilege and I don't want to um, have her go out into the world thinking that everyone, you know, has what she has, some of the opportunities that she's had, some of the experience that she's, you know, been able to experience. So, um, you know, serving our community is very important in our house. It's, you know, one of our foundations and fundamental things that 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 we do. So uh, a few years ago, I started an organization called RAIN, and RAIN stands for Realizing Excellence in Girls Now. I'm very passionate about, um, you know, girls empowerment, and part of it was a little selfish on my part with RAIN because um, my daughter was in middle school, and I was scared. I'm like, what, what's coming? You know, you hear middle school stories, you hear high school stories, you know, how can I create a community of girls that are um, like surrounded by excellence and expect excellence in themselves and also put out excellence into the world. So um, RAIN is built on five pillars. One of them is authenticity, the word you used earlier, Allison, uh, entrepreneurship, health and wellness, serving our community, and then college readiness. So it was really just about um, having girls and their parents come in and share information, share activities. We were even able to do some things through the pandemic. We did some um, video classes. We did some public speaking classes and things throughout the pandemic, but really just creating a space for girls to be themselves and, you know, find their passions, follow their passions and, you know, grow on them. So it, it, it's been, it's, it's been a good journey. I, I, the other part of that is I started selling stationary items that, that are like excellence based. So I have pencils and stickers and just things that remind girls to, to be excellent. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Right. You can be great. It's not yeah. that. It's great. So. And that's great because it, it's true that you need to see those. You need to physically <laughs> see those things for them to be manifest, right? I mean, they yep. have to, if you say it enough, loudly enough out loud, then it, it can happen. But exactly. that's that's wonderful to have that sort of, to offer those resources to young women because I don't envy today's 
young girls that have mm. social media that oh. is constantly in the background. And I, I just, it was hard enough as a middle yeah. schooler. Right. Exactly. Isn't that the truth? It was hard enough in 1989 without <laughs> having social media follow us home, right? Well, I, pressure, I, what we thought was peer pressure is nothing what they're experiencing today. Excellent point. Well, hey, let's make sure we include a link to Rain in okay. the show note. We, we'll make sure we, we do that. And if folks want to support Rain, it sounds like they could purchase stationery, but they could also get involved in the programming. Any yeah. quick advice there? Yeah. What I, I really love to do are um, the classes. So we had another class that was finding your passion and your purpose. So, um, you know, always, always looking for people to get involved, to share their gifts with girls. Wonderful. So, um, so you know, speakers, I, I would love the speakers, um, you know, what, what, whatever your gift is, I'm a creative. So some of the things that I share, we've done cooking classes and, you know, we've done some of the we made hot chocolate bombs last year and, <laughs> and cookie classes. So really whatever your gift is, because one thing I found out, which was interesting two girls, they were like, wow, we really like, you know, we really like cooking. And one of them is like, she was in middle school then, but now her mother said that, you know, she's thinking about going like the culinary route. Wow. So, you know, you never know what gift that you share with someone else is going to spark, you know, uh, a lifelong either interest or career. In Agreed. So. You know, to that end, I'm going to botch this quote, but you know, Francis, Francis of Assisi, right? You know, I'm talking about, I'm sure I, I probably mispronounced his or, his or her name, <laughs> but hey, there's a, there's a great quote where they talk about, you never know who is hearing the sermon you're preaching in any given day. And, and they were using that sermon as an analogy because it's whoever you know, it, it's, it's however you present yourself in that day. So to your mm -hmm. point, you never know uh, the epiphany that your actions and your messaging and your leadership, whatever it is, how that can impact others and, and awaken something in their blind spot. So I love that component okay. of what you're doing there and beyond with rain. Uh, so we'll have to, uh, we'll have to talk more. So, all right. So I got just a couple more questions for you. I don't want to keep neither one of you from what's I'm sure a very busy day, but a beautiful day here in the Atlanta area. I've got my window open. So if y'all hear a cardinal or a squirrel, they're having an epic battle here re recent <laughs> days. All right. So picture this, Leanne, picture this. You're addressing a room full of college students, a big old auditorium. You're at the, the Ritz-Carlton in New York City, oak, big old oak panel room, you know, thousand people sitting there on the edge of their seat waiting to hear your advice on how they could break an industry and perhaps advance what would you tell them so i would give them three tips and i think it's applicable to any industry any function applicable to life i'm going to go back to authenticity the first thing when you walk into a room be authentic bring yourself bring your ideas to the table don't make yourself small. Don't take up space in the room. You know, everyone's different and your difference will make a difference. So that would be my first uh, piece of advice. The second advice, the second piece of advice I would say is foster relationships with people. And that's not just people within your functional area where you're working or, you know, your job. Build relationships with, with people throughout your organization. 
because when people trust you, they they help you and you help them. You know, um, I mean, you you never know where your paths will cross in the future. You never know um, what the future holds. So um, and I say this mainly because I've grown up over the last 18 years in a relationship company and I see the importance of relationships. If I go back to my first job that I talked about was my learning experience with Amico, I didn't know, people call it politics, but I don't even really like to call it politics. I, but I didn't know, I, I thought I would just have to go and do my job, do a good job and everything's gonna be great. It's so much more than that. Right. You know, it's really about the relationships. And that's what I didn't know then that I know now. And the third piece of advice, I mean, this sounds cliche, but it's so true. And, you know, I tell my daughter this and I tell anybody that, you know, young enough to start their path or change their path, or I guess it doesn't matter how old you are, do what you love. Mm. Um, you know, do what you want to do every day and you're not going to wake up miserable to have to do it. <laughs> you know, um, you you want to be passionate about what you want to do. You want to feel good about pouring yourself into what you do. Mm. So those are my pieces of advice. Outstanding. Authenticity. <laughs> I, I love those. I do those too. Are, Go ahead. Those are great. And, and you know, it also reminds me of earlier when Leanne was talking about entering into that position and not knowing if she had everything to get there. I think Leanne, you're, you're helping young women and, and the next generation to not have that mentality to go into it with confidence and recognize, Hey, I like this. I think I can do it. I know I can do it. Period. That's, that's a really cool. That's really neat. Give, give forward that you do. Agreed. I, I really think what you described there, Allison, you, know, you, you, you also mentioned on the front end that we, we should set up a whole, we should set up a panel to discuss that. I think that that appears to be you know, a really big deal and a big hurdle for folks to get over. And, and as you said, many women in, especially in the industry. So uh, I appreciate you both kind of speaking toward that. And, and I love those three, authenticity, relationships, and do what you love, do what you love. Okay. So one final question, and then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with you, Leanne. So when it comes to real leadership, not lip service leadership, but real leadership that makes it happen in whether it's a pandemic or normal times, whatever normal times are, I've forgotten what that's like, <laughs> but what's uh, here, here in recent years, what's a eureka moment that you've had as it relates to leadership? I think it's kind of something we touched on a little bit the best leaders empower their people. You know, people want to feel like they have the opportunity to make decisions. Nobody wants to be micromanaged. Um, people don't want to be babysat, or, you know. And I think the pandemic brought out more of people's abilities because, you know, if you were a manager or a leader that had the um, propensity to micromanage, you didn't have that opportunity anymore. You had to trust your people. You right. know, you, you had to trust that things were going to get done. And I think a lot of people have grown through the pandemic of having a little bit more um, autonomy to get, get things done. And the other thing that, um, I don't know, I just think it's important. Maybe it's just me because I'm just like, uh, I don't 
technology. Like you have to use tech. Like you can't be afraid of technology. You know, there are so many tools out there to make your life easier. And this goes for, because I think everybody's a leader. I think personal leadership is as important as the person with the leadership title. But you have to use technology Mm. in order to not only advance, just to keep up. Mm. So anybody out there that's fearful of a system or fearful of, you know, what a system, you know, it's not like you said, it's not going to break anything. You know, you have to try. Seriously, (laughs) just do it. And we we have a... um, uh, a panelist from Ace Hardware. Um, it's been in part about six months ago, but they were comparing, she was comparing decision-making prior to the pandemic when everybody was in the office mm-hmm. to kind of, as you're, we're going through the rigors and everybody's remotely. And it, were, it was a decision related to, I think, expense reports, I believe. I can't remember. And um, pre-pandemic, it was like, no, we're not going to change that. You're going to send all the documentation in. You're going to FedEx it, whatever it is. And then in the middle of the pandemic, as you got remote, it's like, what were we thinking? We just need to right. do it. It's not a big deal. It makes things easier on our employees. Let's do it. So anyway, I really appreciate your message here today. Allison and Leanne. So Allison, I, we got some good news that I'm going to ask you about here in a minute. But Leanne, how can folks connect with you? So um, the best way is LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm out there public. Just uh, look me up on LinkedIn. And Rain, um, I'll give you the link for Rain. So it's by Rain. Dot com and um, you know Bahrain is that B U Y B B Y B Y Bahrain B Y R E I G N Yep Wonderful We'll make sure we include that link Bahrain dot com and connect and with I'll Leanne. give you our Instagram as okay. well all right. So I'm all over social media <laughs> I love social media You know <laughs> If you do it right It's fun <laughs> It is Yes What is the Instagram The Instagram is by underscore rain. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you've been a delight to talk with and, and frankly learned from, and I am so glad uh, going back way back to the front end of our conversation <laughs> that you didn't let that hurdle and that, um, that inner question, the inner voice that we all have keep you from, from being the best you. So Leanne, you've got an inspiring journey and thanks so much for taking an hour of it and sharing with us here today. All right. So, so Leanne, we, you and I get to celebrate some good news that Allison has had and her, her company. So Allison, what, speaking of social media, something hit my social media the other day that WinTech, which you lead, has gotten some big news. Tell us more. Yeah, we were very excited to announce yesterday that we were voted Best of Georgia 2021 in the aerospace manufacturing category. So that was pretty exciting. That um, is wonderful. That is wonderful, especially in light of all the dynamics we're talking pre-show. It's a tough business to be in, right? It is. It is. Lots of unknowns and, you know, supply chain wise, the aerospace manufacturers, we're feeling it too. So we're, we're really grateful. So the, the, uh, the Georgia Business Journal uh, puts on these awards every year and they're to, to see the other names on the list is pretty impressive. I, I suppose, I guess we got the small business side because the other aerospace manufacturer winner is Gulfstream. Right. So it's pretty awesome to be on the list with, with such a great company as well. Well, that is great news. Hopefully you and the team have a chance to celebrate it uh, in these crazy times and congratulations. Uh, it doesn't surprise me one bit. You know, organizations tend to take the persona of who leads them. And so you, Wintech and Gulfstream, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. So congratulations. Well, thanks. We appreciate it. 
You bet. Okay. And Allison, really appreciate it and enjoy these conversations we've had here today. Really appreciate you uh, facilitating our informative, inspiring, entertaining conversation with Leanne Richards. So Leanne, again, thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You this bet. was great. And let's make sure, by the way, and, and thank you for your time, Allison. How can folks connect with you? Definitely find me on, on LinkedIn. I'm all over the place on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, hey, Allison, really appreciate your time here today. Leanne, a joy to get to know you. Listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. There's so much to unpack here. We need really need to have like a bonus hour, but maybe we'll have to have Leanne back and dive in a little deeper on some of the things that, that uh, came out in our conversation. Hey, be sure to find us at supplychainnow.com. Find us wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss conversations like this. But most importantly, folks, hey, be like Leanne Richards. Do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.